The Needle and the Mouse, episode 31. We oh. missed a whole month. That's that's not that This long. is the March 1st episode. Are you okay with that? Yes. Right. I'm fine with that. I mean, I know we've been trying to do this episode for about a month. We had some scheduling difficulties, yeah. challenges, you we might call have them. A guest. We were going to have a guest. We decided our house was too messy for that, but we'll have him on when we get back from Paris. Yeah, so that's what's going on. I should say, along with Lauren Sherman, I'm Dan Fromer, and we're here from uh, from sunny, cloudy Brooklyn. Yeah, we actually got a really good, three days ago, we got a really good um, question. Go, well, should we start with it? Maybe, yeah. So right. do you want to just set up what the needle in the mouse is? Yes, the show about the intersection of – oh, it's the technology of fashion and the fashion of technology. Yeah, and I feel like it's – It's been a while since we've explained that. We've been so. doing this for three years. Nice. <laughs> we've only done like 10 episodes. That's the number 31. Number 31, so like 10 a year. That's not that bad. Pretty good. Could be better. That's fine. We could do one every week. We should. We should, but – Some other time. <laughs> you know, if we could make this into a whole brand. We could have a magazine. Ooh, a brand. We could have a product. We could have. We could make it into a media. Could we brand. have native ads. Yeah, we could totally Boom. have na- native ads. But we'd have to really like devote some time to it. I don't think either of us is prepared for that. Maybe, okay. maybe someday. Maybe someday. Okay, so the first question. This is really good because I did the story this week about um, how fashion has become. Fashion Week is designed to become aggregators of trends instead of like looking at no a one trend. has their own ideas anymore. No. So they're just like they're they're re- literally remixing. they're not yeah, and it's not even like moving it forward at all. It's just the same shit. Like everyone did a brocade flare pant. Yeah, you don't even know what that is. Please explain brocade. Let's look it up. It's like a um. Let's let's look at the description because I don't want to say brocade is jacquard or jacquard is brocade. These are two different kinds of fabric um, woven. So it's shuttle woven. It's a woven fabric that kind of and usually is metallic. Um, so it kind of looks like no men's clothes. Uh, virtually no men's clothes have brocade. I mean, maybe some some Blazer fancier or stuff. Yeah, you could get a brocade blazer. I think but it's I usually one of those kind ones. of like a raised. Um, that that person's going to be calling me soon. So, okay. um, it's usually like a raised material, and it's um, metallic. So it feels in, it's not cotton. It's not you can have a brocade wool or brocade cotton, but there's some metallic fabric in it, like lurex, some threads. So hmm. it's usually raised and looks a little puffy. Um, but you know, so many designers did like so they're brocade making pants? flares, yeah, flared huh. pants or brocade jackets or. And flo- it's just and where are they getting that the idea? So this is what Frau asked. Frau Peck, one of our um, um, followers, listeners, said: Is there a memo that goes out to all designers to say what the fashion trend and colors for the season should be? And the answer to that is yes, there is actually. Huh. There, it's not a memo, and it's something you have to pay a lot of money for. But there are two ways that designers um, do fabric research and things like that. Now. At the really, really high end, um, you know, the top 15 designers in the world, they don't 
really work like this. They don't go to fabric shows. They develop all their own product. A lot of designers at every level level develop their own fabric, a.k.a. they come up with an idea for a fabric. They go to a fabric company and say, I want a fabric like this. But most designers, I'd say 80% to 90%, most brands, they figure this stuff out two ways. One is trend forecasting. So they either have people internally or they hire, they pay, you know, 20 grand, 25 grand a year to subscribe to a trend for trend forecasting firm like WGSN or edited is a new one. Hmm. Um, and they get reports from these people, like really in depth reports that are a year and a half out. Okay. So right now, a big mass retailer is probably working on what it's like right now we're in spring 2015. They're probably working on next winter stuff. They're working on fall 2016. Yeah. Yeah. So not even a year from now, a year and a half from now. So they'll go into their database, the trim forecast, whatever the trim forecasting firm is that they use and they'll see these are going to be the 15 colors that are going to be really popular hmm. pantone has kind of gotten to, into this game yeah. um by with that one saying, color the of color the of the year blah 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 and the funny thing is i think that's such marketing crap but then you see it so marsala hmm. was the color of the year and you know pantone figured that out by using these trend forecasting firms and yeah. um you saw a ton of marsala, which is like a, a basically looks like dried blood. Um, <laughs> nice or marsala. It's like a very like spicy color. Um, you you saw a ton of that on the runway hmm. this this season. So, um, like, it, as the main color or as an accent? Color? As the main color. Wow. There was just a collection that I was looking at. Tibby. Um, I was looking at, they have like a pre-order thing on Mode Operandi, which is a website that lets you pre-order stuff right off the runway. Um, and they used a ton of it. Hmm. Um, it's, and so that's one way. The other reason is because they all go to this fa- fabric fair called PV. It's Premier Vision. And pretty much every brand from, I'd say, definitely from contemporary up, yeah. but even some mass retailers probably go as well. And um, for a lot of designers, it's really fun. You get to see all the new innovations in fabric. But what ends up happening is that people pick the same fabrics. And, ah. you, I mean, you can get an exclusive on fabrics. But the the fabric suppliers are, are you know, they're all seeing what the trends are. And it's cyc- cyclical. Like It's not like every item starts off with from absolute scratch no, like they're not coming do. up with like okay we're gonna yeah be in this texture and this color yeah. and this and and fashion is very cyclical it could be a designer could not look at anything for six months he could sit in his black hole and not look at anyone else's designs and he could still come out you know the 70s is a very big um thing right now hmm. he could still that could still happen yeah it, because it's just the way and you know there since i'd say you know the 30s or 40s the way we dress hasn't really changed very much you know once the corset was moved away and there was le- it was there was a less of a focus on modesty it's really you know 
you can pull items from any decade and wear them now and make them look modern. Some are harder than others. Like the 50s was very inspired by earlier fashion, so it's harder to do that. But um, it's cyclical. Like right now the 70s are really big. The 90s were really big last year. Now you're starting to see people get more into the 80s. And because of the internet and because trends are so immediate, it's so much, it's even faster. Yeah. Like it would take two years for something to get to suburban Pittsburgh or whatever in the nineties. Now it's happens instantly. Uh Oh, there's a, Hey, Ralfred. Hey, Ralfred, there's no reason to bark. I guess we'll just cut this. I don't know. I kind of want to leave it in. You got some. We got some dog, hallway dog drama. Hey, Ralfred. Hey, Ralphie. I'll get him. I'll get him. All right. Well, we'll take a pause now and Excuse remind me. you that you can, you too, can submit questions to Needle and the Mouse on Twitter. Yeah. So, Needle and Mouse. So thank you. Um, let me just see your name again. Frau. Yeah. Um, that was a really great question. She also asked new episode soon, and she asked that two days ago. So this is Boom. all for you. This is all for you. Um, so, but the question, like, so the so there's trend forecasting. Is there like a person who writes an influential like private memo that goes out to people? There and are says, a lot Here's of what, people. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, cool. that's a huge business. And but also, they're studying. Are they like uh, algorithmically analyzing Instagram photos from cool people as to what they're wearing? High-end designers aren't brands, might be. Yeah. Um, you know, mass retailers are are look to data constantly to see what is doing well and what's not. And a lot of um, apps and, and fashion startups around, you know, the idea of, you know, Pinterest could totally sell that data to brands. And they yeah. may be. I mean, I don't – I'm – completely speculating i have no idea if they've ever thought of doing that sure they've thought of it i don't know if they do it but they could um and especially at the mass retail they just need they want as much data as they can possibly can possibly get um and because it, it used to be the data that the only data they had was previous sales which doesn't really help previous sales of their own stuff yeah so that doesn't really help unless you're putting in a really quick order, so maybe something sells out in a, two weeks into the season and you reorder it. That's the only time the data really helps. But now there's more predictive data. Cool. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's kind of, um, you know, it can get kind of depressing, the idea that it's just all the same. But then, you know, it's just about how you look at it, and then you look at other designers who can take a trend and make it their own, and that's what's really inspiring. And each person wants something different anyway. So even if 10 stores have a similar gray sweater, I'm probably only going to like one of them. So yeah, Well, that's that's how it should be. But, you know, sometimes I think this season in particular, what we saw were there were way too many things that were exactly the same. And that's not good. It needs to be like we were saying. It's like you need to just have your angle. What's your angle on the dress story, you know? Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. All right. Well, what was the other thing you wanted to talk okay. about? We had a list. Yeah, I'm going to pull up our list. So, should we move on to tech and talk about the Samsung event that you made oh, yeah. in Paris? I don't know if this is a new thing or I think I think they've actually done it before. Samsung is having an event in Paris for Fashion Week, which is funny. 
Apple did one last time. I'm not sure if they are this time. But it's just, it's interesting that as, I mean, why shouldn't they, I guess. But if you're shooting between shows, do you really have time and or interest in seeing some Samsung thing? Well, I was interested in going, but for it, unfortunately, the shows that I go to that day, it's on Saturday at 6.30 and it's at the Four Seasons and they're doing it. Their whole theme is like a tasting menu, so I'm assuming there's also going to be some yummy food. Um, but the reason I'm not um, going is that for a lot of a couple shows that are not normally on Saturday nights have have been scheduled for Saturday night. Oh, weird! So I just don't think I'll even be able to go. Yeah, I think I have three shows during the time, and those are the only shows I'm going to that whole day. So um, I don't. Yeah, I just don't see it being possible. I don't know. I mean, I'm interested in Samsung in that I did a story on them a couple of years ago, how they were able to kind of infiltrate the fashion industry by gifting a lot of um, influencers. But then some of those influencers actually decided they really liked the Samsung phone Mm -hmm. and adopted it. Um so, yeah, I'm, I, th- I always, this is an issue I always have during Paris Fashion Week in particular, but at all the fashion weeks, a lot of brands have events, A, they maybe have already had a fashion show at a different fashion week, and they still want you to come in and like clothing brands or clothing brands, um, clothing Samsung. brands, not as much, but one example is Swarovski always has a big showing at Paris Fashion Week, but they also show uh, – they have a huge um, presence in fashion. They um, sponsor a lot of young designers who are then, you know, obviously yeah. use their product. But um, The Crystal Company. Yeah, the Crystal Company. But their main collection – this could start to get annoying. Their main collection – why? Some shows have background music. It. We have background barking. I'm happy to go see it. Yeah. But not in the middle of Fashion Week. They have a preview in April mm-hmm. dur- in New York during what they call Market Week, where you go and see all of the product just up close. I'm happy to go then. I don't want to go in the middle of Fashion Week when I have to file four or five stories a day. It just seems. Hmm. Um, and uh, part of that is that they want to. You know, there are a lot of Asian editors and buyers. There are a ton of, obviously, tons of European people, and they want to catch those people. But to expect, it's just, it just seems like it's not a good, no one's going to go. Hmm. Like, I just told them, I said, I can't go. I'll, I'll go in April to yeah. look at it. But, because I really am interested in them as a company, and I think it's interesting how they work with, with fashion brands and have you know kind of transformed their their own brand um but it's that kind of stuff is is extremely frustrating yeah well the other thing that's happening is the monday afterwards apple's having the apple watch event which which has nothing to do with you but well it, it 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 doesn't have anything to do with me but the fact that they have courted the fashion industry so intensely oh and they're having it once again during fashion and not uh, on monday of paris fashion week that's not like 
New York Fashion Week, they did have it on a day when there were a lot of really big designers showing. But New York is a little bit, I think especially for the Europeans, a lot of European editors went to skip the day of shows and went to the Apple event. That's not going to happen in Paris. I don't think they are inviting them this time. Well, well maybe some of them. It's This it, is a smaller event. And it, but it seems strange yeah. that you just put a 12-page ad in Vogue and you want these people to, you know, be talking about it and and mm. thinking about it. And you would do it in the middle of the most important week of their year. I think that I think that's the whole point. I don't know. I think that's when they want people talking about it. When but no one, no one's going to talk about it because they might. We'll see. Well, I'm know. sure they'll see it a few, and people will be wearing them. Oh, interesting. I'm sure. Keep that, an eye out for that. Yeah, I will for sure. Um, yeah. What's this? Is like our last show before while there are still large unknowns about Apple Watch. So where are you going to be when the Apple Watch is? I'll be in London. So are you going to – will they be on sale at that point? No, they're not going to go on sale until April. Oh, okay. You can't pre-order or anything? I don't know. We're going to find out. Hmm. I'm sure you'll be able to pre-order, but don't know when. Yeah. Probably not for a few weeks. What color are you going to get? I don't know. We're going to see – so we're going to find out the pricing. Right Mm -hmm. now we only know the cheapest pricing is $350, but you don't know what that gets you. I think it only gets you – the cheapest watch with a sport band, but then there's like the fancier watches, and then there's the super fancy ones. Maybe I'll get 24 karat gold what? with um, oh, yeah. a red leather strap. How much is that one going to cost? 35 grand, maybe. <laughs> I just made that number up, You're but funny. it could be like 30 grand. Ugh. No one's going to buy that. Oh, yeah. People are going to buy it. Yeah, maybe some people will. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't care anymore. I'm not I'm, so I'm, going, I'm getting the, the sport one because in a year. Should we get matching ones so that we can match our Patagonia jackets and our Apple? Whoa. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to get the the cheap sport one because the uh, you got to think that at least in one year or maybe two years, they're going to be a lot thinner and yeah nicer. So I don't think it's worth getting the... If you look at like the trajectory of the iPad and how it went in two years from being this big chunky ball basically to the mini, mm-hmm. I think maybe that we'll see some some progress there. Yeah, I'm interested in it. I really the thing I really want it for though is running. It's not going to really help me with that. Uh, yeah, that's the whole point. Yeah, but then I. I can't order an Uber. What if I fall and break my leg and don't have my phone with me and I can't order an Uber? You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> True. Or I can't. I don't know if it's going to track. I, I, will it have? If you we, fall and break your leg, you have to call 911. <laughs> you can't well, order an Uber. <laughs> what if I fall and twist my ankle or something? Yeah. I'm not going to break my leg, but... The other thing is the headphone stuff, remember? Yeah, they're going to, yes. Is that going to be something? Maybe. We're going to find out. That's another good question. i got to put that on my that list of things. That I might, um, I mean, in that way, I think I would be okay. I think it's going to be um, wireless headphones, so you're going to have to get new ones. Yeah, that's fine. My headphones are kind of crappy anyway. Uh, yeah, they are. Yeah, so. True. One of them 
has an ear falling off. Oh, you're talking about the sport headphones. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they just kind of hurt my ears. Well, wireless headphones have come a little ways, but are it's still... still pretty bad? Well, th- you have to charge them because <laughs> there's battery involved. So now you're yeah. going to have... Now every night you have to charge your laptop, your watch, your phone. You have to charge your headphones. When are they going to start making really beautiful like charging decks for all of that stuff? Oh, you know what would be cool? Like a oh, dude, wood panel or, deck. Or a charging arm that's that looks like a human arm with that wireless power thing in it. So you have... It looks like a, a human arm next to your bed. Oh, and it could be a, a lamp also. Ooh. That sounds so ugly. Oh, my God. I'm going to totally make this. Yeah. Good luck with that. Sure can you imagine this? Out. Like a plastic hand Yeah. You, should, you know you should ask about this is Philo. I bet he would know a, a manufacturer. Because remember he had that invention he got manufactured? No. Yeah. So I bet well, he could. It? Oh. <laughs> Never mind. I don't think we can talk about it. But. Uh, we'll talk about it in Paris. I li- I like this. All right. Okay. I'm excited. Uh, listeners, you. if if we should do a Kickstarter for this, get in touch. But I'm envisioning a translucent plastic arm, maybe a wrist and hand. It sounds so gross. Yeah, totally. I'm really. It's gross. hilarious. I don't want this associated with the needle in the mouth. Well, it's funny. All right. Never mind. We won't talk about this anymore. Uh, rose gold is very popular right now in housewares. Uh, housewares. Yeah. Like, like, table, like, silverware. silverware oh, cool. Accents on t- wood. I keep envisioning getting a little wooden table with rose gold accents and stuff, but I feel like it's hmm. very trendy. Yeah. Housewares are hard because you can't, if you buy stuff that's too trendy, you really do get sick of it quickly. Yeah. I'm all about the classics. Nice wood, wood grain, stainless steel. Solid uh, colors. Yeah. Um, Looking around our apartment, trying to see if there's anything that doesn't match those descriptions. Well, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, but we yeah. really got to clean up those shelves, make them more presentable. Yeah, it's gotten out of hand. Yeah. We're going to have to get rid of some of those dog clothes. So what do you think right. of, of that book that I gave you about that Japanese lady decluttering your life? Uh, Well, perfectly so. It's... It's lost in a pile no, somewhere. No, I have it. Where? It's not lost. It's on my desk. Oh. Well, I didn't know that. I don't I don't lose. Stuff. I thought it was in that pile over there. No, it's not. Okay. Uh, I haven't read it yet. But everyone's talking about it. Yeah. I like that idea. Well, there's a really good essay on, on the cut about it. And this woman, Lisa Miller, is a great writer. Um, talking about she she kind of doesn't want to do it. To declutter? Yeah. She's just kind of like, I don't. I don't really want to get rid of our wire box. Hmm. I don't know what What's a that's wire gonna... box? Well, you have one. Like a box, a box full of, of wires? wires? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think... I actually, last time you were out of town, I threw out almost all of them. Wow. I do think we could, we could take it halfway. I don't particularly want to either. I like all my yeah. stuff. And also, the other thing she mentioned was the whole idea is like, if it doesn't bring you joy, throw it out. But... I paid a lot of money for a lot of that stuff, hmm. you know, and that to me, I don't want to just throw stuff out. Even if you get money for it and you sell it, I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think we could probably get rid of two thirds of the books here though. Yeah. I think we need to do that. Yeah. Um, we should read them first. But. All right. Apple watch. Are you curious at all about it? 
Yeah, I'm definitely going to get one. Okay. I'm definitely going to get it. I just... What do you think of the ad in Vogue? I haven't seen the whole thing. Let me look at it right now. It's just very watch porny. Do you have that Vogue? Who is on the cover? I don't know. Oh, Carly. Yeah, I have it. Can we look at it? Yeah. Well... I mean, you know what? It probably hasn't come yet. It comes really late. I do get Vogue. It's one of the few magazines that I get in the mail. I read like... All right, well, we'll, we'll check it out. We'll, we'll have a full analysis next time. I mean, I, I think that's very interesting that they decided to do that. Well, I, think I still it's, think um, it's... I mean, it's obviously a, along the lines of the, the approach that they've take, taken. I think it's Apple's way of, of saying, look, nerds, we know you're with us, but we really have to... Now we have to impress your, your cooler girlfriends. Yeah. And men read Vogue, too. Some men. Yeah, I, I, whatever. But it's like, it might as well matter. start with the most fashionable, pretentious place possible. Totally. And then, in a few months, then put it in Newsweek. The other thing... Actually, like, it'll probably the be... The other thing well, they could Newsweek have even done, exist anymore? I think it... I don't, I don't really know. I think it's, like, right. special. Well, maybe it'll be in Wired. You know what they could have done that I actually think would have been to me is more interesting they should have took taken out small ads in a bunch of in like a hundred indie publications hmm. because that's like the exact opposite of how apple operates though to me the people i guess i guess the idea is that those the people who read those indie publications already know about it yeah but i just think and it's like, not about seeing awareness. it in the gentlewoman is a way better and fantastic man, which is the men's version of the gentlewoman. Is that good? Should I read that? I am whatever. <laughs> I I really like the gentlewoman, but I don't read the whole thing. I'm not going to act like I do. It's not, you know, it's Q and A's with interesting women. Sometimes I read the whole thing. Sometimes I don't. But it's beautifully done. It's like the most highbrow. It's the Celine of magazines. Yeah. Okay, I have to make this call. We'll now pause ten seconds. Station ID. All right. We're back after a brief pause. Do you think uh, that you're going to be able to tell that there was a pause? Well, I said, uh, as you were answering your phone, I said, um, we will now pause for station ID. I don't know what that means. If you ever listen to a baseball game on the radio, mm-hmm. they would say, we'll now pause 10 seconds for station ID. That's funny. And then Harry Carey would say, you're listening to WGN. Actually, it wouldn't be Harry Carey. It would be someone else. Okay. Anyway, uh, so Apple Watch. We're talking about the Apple Watch. Yeah, we're going to see what's going to happen. But <laughs> what? It's just like what else? We've talked about it probably uh, out of the 30 episodes. Well, the funny thing is so this 10. week is also Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. And so far, I've seen like seven different wearable um, launches. And they all look kind of meh. So we'll see. Um, but there was something else we were going to talk about. Yeah. And it was interesting. Yeah, and, so... And now, now that it's snowing again, we can talk about it. Yeah, so I'm working on a story that should, will probably um, be published tomorrow or Tuesday about duck boots and the history of duck boots. What are duck boots? So in... Um, Ella Bean was the like first maker. They call them bean boots. But they're these rubberized um, lace-up boots that kind of look like a duck's beak oh um now i get it 
and they're they're like winter boots. They're winter boots. boots, and but they are were very popular in New England for years, and they've become very very popular across the country, and especially on college campuses the last few years. I think they've kind of replaced Uggs as uh. the winter boot of choice, especially because these last two winters have been really really bad. Yeah. Um, but I talked to polar some vortex. people. Yeah, I talked to some people at LLB. Who, this is who's winning the polar vortex. Hey. Yeah, who's winning the polar vo- vortex? It's the LL Bean and Boom. and other makers of duck boots. Um, but so LL Bean is actually like building a new facility to accommodate really? the need because they're Where? sold out in Maine. Like everything they do is made in everything is made in Maine. Um, Ralford, I just don't understand this behavior. This this podcast. Um, everything they do is made in Maine, but they're actually building because they sell out in like a month. Every single year. And the last couple of years have been their biggest. They've been making these for like 110 years or something. Been, cool. And so their last couple of years have been the biggest. And other companies have also benefited. So Sperry, which used to be called Sperry Topsider, they've they've recently changed their name. Oh. Maker of Boat Shoes, another New England brand. I think it's New England. Um they started be. they started making i don't know if their stuff is made in the US though i haven't finished the story yet but um they started making duck boots in like the early 2000s and then they stopped and then around 2006 or 2007 j crew approached them and said hey we really want to make some duck boots in special colorways would you collaborate with us and the first couple of years they did well then they started selling out like crazy and now Sperry has created an entire um, – I think you're going to be able to hear that in the background. Um, Sperry has created an entire that division of duck of a boots. dog being fed. Um, Sperry has created an entire division of duck boots. So, cool. And they have had tremendous success as well. They're J. Crew ones. You bought me a pair for Christmas. You had to buy them from a store in Florida because they sold out. Um, they sell it every time. It's And what – this says to me is the only real success you ever have in fashion is around these kinds of things is mm. around a real need or desire for something. I mean, the need could be a little less, um, utilitarian, but there's always something around, you know, the reason these boots are doing so well is because people need them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I actually really do like the way they, they look and I always have, but it's the same thing when well, wellies hunter boots. The problem with this kind of stuff is you buy one pair. You don't really need a bunch of pairs. It's the same thing with, with hunter wellies. Like they have diversified because how many pairs of wellies do you need? Right. And you don't buy them every year. The whole point is that they're supposed to last forever. Yeah. Um, So it's exciting for these brands, but it's also something where they need to really watch. Yeah. But how many gray sweatshirts do you really need? And then you have 50 of them. But but that's a question. Like sweaters have also – I think we've probably talked about this, but sweaters have – performed really well in the last couple of years they were trendy they were on the runway like they're very popular on the runway i mean but sweaters are a thing that you always need and it's been so cold that people are buying way more of them so it's so it's like when when a trend and 
some like a need come together is are the most successful fashion stores. Product market fit, baby. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, uh, that's cool though. Cool. All right. Well, I'll, t- I'll are you gonna check buy a pair. Out. I was gonna ask you, can I buy a pair? Yeah, like, why not? Am I? Is it cool for me to wear those? Oh yeah. All right. We'll check it out. I think my dad used to have like the old school ones. Yeah, I, I would. If I were you, I'd get like the classic bean boot. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, right, we'll look, we'll it look. Up. but you should get them in like July because they don't have right. any right now. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, are the Sperry ones any good? Yeah, I love them, and it, they actually the ones I'll that you got me. Or are they all gone? No, they're all gone. Yeah. The ones you got me are like lower ones and zip up, so they're really easy to get on and off. They're really warm. They're surely lined. I like the color. They have all these different colorways. Do you really like the color? I do like the color. I would have gotten myself a different color well, one. Next year we'll get you another pair. You'll yeah, have well, two. that's and that's the other thing you create demand by doing. Right, you know. I would like mine in neon. <laughs> Probably not though. Maybe we should talk about this offline. All right, uh, all right. One more thing you want to talk about? Oh, we Gap. Don't... Yeah, so Gap hired a design head of merchandising and design. Another. Isn't this yeah. like the tenth? Well, no, I mean the the third in three years. But so they fired. We did we talk about this the last time? They fired Rebecca Bay, who was the head of costs. This really whoa, great, really? Yeah, they fired her. Wow, because she was like, she didn't get along with the the merchandisers, and huh. she wanted to do like really drab European colors, and they were like, no, Americans only want bright clothes, and. She probably could have done a good job, but it's just really hard because Gap is so big. Hmm. Gap really can't have a creative director. It's too big. It needs to just be merchandising, which means just finding items. Like the way Old Navy is just merchandised. They they have people come in and do fun no things. No one actually designs the clothes. They just there show up. There are designers, but like it's like we need eight different styles of cargo pants. We need boot cut jeans. We need striped shirts. Yeah. And that they design into that. It's not like our inspiration this season is blah, blah, blah. It's like the opposite. It's designing into what is mm. already needed. And that happens everywhere, especially at mass retail. But Gap is so big that... Well, it's like the Top w- Shop has like 85 different styles at any time. Like yeah. different looks. Yeah, exactly. So... um it's, cool. It's really funny because this woman came from Sea Wonder, which just the um, new one did. Yeah, she just mm. went under. She, but she she was she's credited with launching Victoria's Secret's pink line. Uh-huh. It's interesting. She's not aesthetically anything that Gap has ever been. She's very. She, if if you were gonna say where they would have put her, it would have been Old Navy. Hmm. Like, if, if someone told me this person's background, she's going to work at Gap Inc., where do you think she's going to work? I would have said Old Navy or Athleta, their, their activewear line. Because she's just not the aesthetic that Gap has ever tried to be. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. She's either going to kick ass and it's going to be awesome or it's going to we'll be super boring. we'll be talking about this again in six months. Yeah, or yeah. it's just not – it's going to – it's just – yeah. Gonna be a non thing, but it would okay. be cool if she if she was really smart about it and this was the right fit. Sweet. Yeah, that's it. Great. Well, I think that that's that's a show. We'll talk about South by Southwest and Paris. Oh my god! When Next we time back. we're gonna have so much to talk about. We're gonna know everything about the Apple Watch. Yeah. We may even have already bought one. We're gonna know everything about Paris Fashion Week. Yeah. 
No, everything about the first two days of South by Southwest. Cool. Well, I'm going on. I'm on a panel for the fashion day. Oh, good. So, all right. Sounds good, man. Sweet. Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening. You can always send us questions for the show at hello at the needle and the mouse dot com or on Twitter or on Twitter at needle and mouse. You can also go to our website and find old shows and some links to other stuff to read. Sign up for Lauren's newsletter. Do it. Is there a link to the newsletter? On our on our page? Yeah. Um, we could put one up or you can go to tinyletter.com slash Lauren Sherman. Boom. Um, easier. Excellent. Great. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks.